At Brody Hubbard. That works too. That works too. On the Twitters. Um, You introduce the guest. I will. Our guest today is musician, health guru. Is is that is that overselling it or (laughs) is that an okay word to use? I don't know. Maybe. uh, Yeah, I don't know how many people I've influenced on. (laughs) uh, How about health interested party? Health interested. Yes. There we go. Um, (laughs) Passionate. Aficionado, <laughs> opera singer, dancer, cool person. Friend. Oh, I'll be the judge of that. Fun Christmas party hanger on her. <laughs> this is how I met her. Aaron Williams. Hi, Aaron. Hi. Good so to good to see you too. I, I met Aaron through a friend of the show, Tom Neely, and his wife. Tom was on our, our first episode. Yeah. So he uh, he was the champagne bottle which launched the Shaky Town <laughs> yeah. Radio Hour. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so Aaron and I met and and hung out, and it was cool. And she does all this awesome stuff, and I asked her to come on the show to talk about it. So we're going to start... So with- go, do it. Start talking. <laughs> yeah, right. Just start talking. We're not going to say anything. <laughs> you just talk. <laughs> I, How, what, what, an awful, what an awful show that would be. Yeah. Just go ahead. We'll just, we'll just like stare at you, and you just like <laughs> see what happens. It'd be long pauses of silence. <laughs> yeah, that'd be kind of, we'll edit those out. <laughs> no, we won't. Actually, if we were going to do that, totally wouldn't edit those. <laughs> so it'd just be like... A little sneeze. A little nervous. <laughs> so should we start with Erin as a little girl in Missoula, Montana? Oh, yeah. Why not? Okay. Way back. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Do you want to... I just... I, I'd like to know what it was like because all I know of Missoula, Montana is that David Lynch grew up there. Okay. Really? River runs through it. Okay. Uh, also claimed to fame, yeah. Big Sky Country, Pocahontas. I don't know. Um, it's a yeah. I just grew up there, um, camping, swimming, being like. Now, was it really stuff. camping when you're actually in Montana? That's just kind of living in Montana, well, you know, right? The tent, the, the the dried food, you know, okay. like the fire. Yeah, that's camping. <laughs> we did have bathrooms and running waters in our house, right. so it was yeah. It wasn't so rustic. Right. But, yeah. But you guys um, definitely, I mean, your parents were a farming type, at least had livestock and things 
Like that. Yeah, we raised cows um, for for meat and um, had a couple of horses in the backyard, some sheep at one point. You know, we had like a pasture back there and my dad made his own wine and had a garden and did all that stuff. So it was really nice to grow up there and to get your sort of get a good affiliation with nature and have on your shoulders before you come to this crazy L.A. Where there's cats on tables. And... No cats on table. Didn't you as, listen to that? As we stab- he wants to be the star. As we established on last week's he wants to be the guest. mini so there's no cats on the table. Um, so yeah, so you already were, at that point, you had like a connection to the local food and... I mean, yeah, just in that sort of way. I didn't start. I didn't start this raw vegan, you know, chocolate business, all that stuff, until like three years ago. But um, my affiliation probably was for more in nature and the arts at that point. Yeah, taking dance classes and singing and all that stuff. Yeah, you were already. And well, I, mean, I guess all dancers start out like really young, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's as as well, your parents don't know what else to do. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> dance class. You're a girl. <laughs> dance or gymnastics, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's what I was I just kept getting hit in the face with a soccer ball and a tee ball and stuff, so that just didn't work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dance is much safer for me. So, so what's the problem with the with other like objects? It's, your coordination was fine. It's just everything else. Yeah, everything you. else was totally out of control. So, opted out for that path. See, I've never been to I've never been to Montana. The closest I've ever been is Wyoming. Oh, it's totally different. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Montana's. Oh, Wyoming's horrible. Wyoming's one of the most horrible places. I well, li- I lived in Evanston for six months as a kid. My dad worked in the oil fields, and like friends got killed in too many close calls for him, so he's like, "Okay, we're done." Oh, he's a rough man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's the most dangerous job, it pretty much, despite what the Discovery Channel will have you say. Yeah, yeah. No, it's beautiful though. You guys should go up to oh, yeah. like Flathead Lake or the lake. Yeah, I've heard good things. I've heard good things about it. A lot of friends of mine work in there in Wyoming, but. Um, that's as far as like, close as I've been. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. So, what kind of dancing were you doing as uh, initially? Because there's so many different kinds. Pole dancing, and you know, <laughs> what you usually do in Montana, right. eight year old. No, there was um, ballet, jazz, that you know, and I studied opera because mm-hmm. there was no other. You didn't study pop music there, so it was just all very classic. Well, music. isn't opera really the popular music of prior centuries? Of prior centuries, but definitely not this one. <laughs> No one goes to the opera anymore. Because, oh, that's so awful. <laughs> I'm just like, crap. Why am I just shitting on everything today? I thought that opera was uh, President Bartlett's favorite like thing. I'm oh, are you going... I mean, he's a fictional president, so maybe that doesn't count. <laughs> I'm pretty sure fictional presidents' likes and dislikes don't count. Was that was that like Aaron Sorkin's way of trying to boost opera? <laughs> I suppose. Oh, good work. Because everyone knows. Work right everyone knows. <laughs> opera is the most popular form of entertainment now. Fine. Let's Fine. walk and talk about it. <laughs> so you you ended up at uh, U of A. U of A, yeah, for um, about a year and a half, and then I took a year off, and then I came to USC to study opera, and that's where I finished my German degree and almost my opera degree, but yeah, yeah. awesome. What did you think of Tucson? Um, it was an interesting, it was a good transition from Missoula to a big city, as opposed to Missoula to LA, I think yeah. it had been a little bit much, but mm-hmm. um, there were a lot of 7-Elevens, really <laughs> flat and spread out and you know apart from the, the, the desert was beautiful and right, the sky right. and all that stuff but I thought it was a little convenience story Molly yeah that's Arizona <laughs> well you know what that's really weird because Vegas is the same way yeah. and it's literally like every corner has a 7-Eleven is it, yeah. is it 
It, what years were you there? In Vegas? Yeah. Uh, my, fa- my family moved there first in 79, and my mom moved away in like 92 or 3. Okay. So, I don't know. I mean, I presume it's similar, but I haven't lived there now, you know, 10, 15 years. But, um, but it always, I mean, it, it struck me as strange going to other places where it's not like you... Uh, Maybe it's because it's so hot you have to be able to buy a big golf every yeah. every nine hundred <laughs> feet. Ounce, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, like sixty-four ounces of soda every like nine hundred feet. <laughs> right, right. Or you die. <laughs> the, the, the nature is beautiful. The skies yeah. and the sunsets and all that stuff. Like I that was absolutely gorgeous. I've spent very little time in Tucson, but I mean good music scene there. I don't know how yeah. were you plugged into that yet? Not really. And the whatever I saw wasn't very good at that point. I saw some college bar scenes. Right. And some right. of them were just weren't that good. Right, right, right. But I'm, it could have been there, and I just didn't know it. Yeah. At the time. Um, but yeah. now I think there's a good... I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what it was like. Was it always good growing up there? Well, I mean, I was in Phoenix, so I mean, oh, it's right. so different from Tucson. But um, I just, it seemed like everybody in Phoenix liked... A lot of people liked the Tucson scene, and it seemed like a lot of even touring acts would tour through Tucson as opposed to Phoenix. Oh, interesting. So... Well, now that you have the little art galleries downtown Phoenix and stuff, which I think you've been right. out there, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, and it, it's been a good, and it's always in flux. There's places closing down, but all the new places will pop up in its place, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's a great scene. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Tucson was a good, like, I don't know, what would you call it, like, transition for you? Yes. Like, instead of just going it's to Zula, like, LA. Yeah, yeah, that seems like it would be a little overwhelming. That would be kind of head explodey, I think. Yeah, it was very head explodey. so... Even coming out, well, yeah, I would have had to really duke it out with my parents to get here because they're like, "You're not moving to LA." Mm. <laughs> but <laughs> but care. Tucson was the compromise. But Tucson was okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Understandably that's, so. That's weird. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just thinking in for a penny and for a pound. Right, right, right. You know, I think after after I was gone for a year, they were like, "Okay, whatever, do whatever you want. We don't care." <laughs> you know, did they do this thing? My parents have done this weird thing, where, and I moved down here like I was like twenty. 27, 28 when I moved here. Yeah. And yet they're still, like, expecting me to come back any day now. Right, to move home. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. yeah. I, my parents say that once in a while. Like, you just need to move home. Anything, it's some, if I get a cold or something. <laughs> right. Like, you right. just right. need to move home. Right. You're just, you know, lost and happy to leave. You know, they're, they're, they're really, they're supportive of me being down here, but, you know, like, they, they're still is that, you need to come home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your parents do that to you, too? Yeah, they still do that. I, 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 I just was talking with my mom today about I don't know there I have a sister moving and there might be stuff getting cleared out of storage space and you know she's like well when are you visiting and I mean that's a little different I mean I understand having the, the visiting and stuff but every once in a while I'll say something about like yeah if it's something's hard or you know job's not going the way you want it to or or whatever it is it's like well you know well you and Megan could just move back here and you and know she could us. teach and you know <laughs> what no <laughs> live in our basement right 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 I got my mom lives with me so I mean none of that happening here yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, so you you decided not to stick with uh, you had arrived at USC on an opera scholarship yes well I took a year off and then. Um, started studying with the vocal chairman of USC and um, got in and then stayed there for a couple of years. Um, yeah, and just never left LA after that. Yeah. Um, and started doing a lot more of my own music when I came out to LA at that point. So um, that's where it was first kind of starting, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, 
You decided to pursue German, though, at, at that point, as far as yeah, academically I, instead of opera? I No, I was doing both of them, but mm. I had taken German for so long, it was very easy for me. I was really close to getting a degree, and I didn't want to be... I couldn't really... I didn't want to afford USC for two more years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could I? Yeah. So I just figured I've got an undergraduate degree. I studied, you know, if I want to perform opera, I don't really need a degree, so I'm just going to leave with with a, an undergrad, and then if I ever want to go back, I can. Plus all those German operas. All yeah. those German operas, <laughs> which I've, yeah, I've never, I've never done any opera companies in Germany, but <laughs> I'm sure someday it will come in handy. Sure. <laughs> Yeah. So after you wrapped up your program and and wrapped up, you know, at USC, um, was it just right into trying to carve out a living in LA? Yeah, pretty much. I was still thinking. I mean, I sing opera with some shows, so I was traveling and doing some of that, um, and and just writing my own music. I got signed with a small label at one point here, and then I got signed with a small label in France, and got a manager in the UK and stuff like that. So they kind of brought me over to Europe the first time, and then I started booking my own shows over there after that. So for the past, I don't know, three or four years, I've been touring in Europe pretty much. I've had booking agents here and there and stuff like that and managers and labels at one point, but mostly on my own I've been doing it, which I just encourage any musician to do that because it's totally possible. You just need to yeah. do some research and once you get over there, you meet more people and you can keep returning. And I think they, they're really supportive over there. They pay you to be there. They give you a place to stay. They feed you. People come, they listen, they buy CDs. Like it's really affirming for an artist to go over to Europe. I think to play just to make it kind of you know sometimes a certain scene in your hometown might get a little frustrating. Yeah, it might not be all you hoped it to be. So I think you just people need to know that there's an audience for them somewhere, and they just need to go find it. And you know, well, I know, I know, like the like the for comedy, like the Edinburgh Fringe Festival is like really popular with a lot of comedians, and it's kind of the same thing. I mean, you have to kind of pay your way there, but it's a good inroad for um, you know folks who want to get into Europe, the European comedy scene. I, I mm -hmm. imagine it's similar. I mean, here I think it's you know it used to be you'd get a TV show, you know, a sitcom or something as a comedian. Mm -hmm. That just doesn't happen anymore in general. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if it's similar. And, and and for that, the music equivalent of that, I guess, would be just like scoring a major label contract yeah, 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 yeah. and you get a video yeah, on yeah, MTV yeah. and a song on the radio. And there really is. Does MTV even play video? I'm, I'm, it's going to sound like a whole totally hack thing, but they don't, they don't play videos. <laughs> yeah, anymore, do they? No. It's reality TV shows. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, totally. yeah, it's not really the place anymore. What's the that? M stand for? <laughs> teen mom. <laughs> it's teen mom television. Mom teen. Mm -hmm. Mom, comma teen television. <laughs> da, 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 da. Da, da. No, I think over the there. The astronaut has a little baby. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a little rocking baby. For those of you at home. For those of you who don't subscribe to the, uh, premium, the premium video The super cast premium feed. video cast that we don't use. <laughs> that we don't do. Why not? <laughs> Fantastic. It could be. My 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 mock my mock baby. <laughs> that would yeah, that would be dress up in costumes and oh. I mean, not explain it, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I am dressed as a sixteenth century explorer. <laughs> I would dress up in one of those big metal diver suits. The, a, a diving suit? Is, is is it called a diving suit? Yes, that is what it is called. Okay. A diving suit. <laughs> like what's the dude from the Hellboy series? Are you are either of you familiar with or I am fans familiar. of the Hellboy series? I am familiar with it. No, isn't there a character with? Well, isn't there? He's isn't he like an underwater dude that can't? That's Abe Sapien. Okay, well, there you go. 
That's not as far as I know. There was an underwater dude, and then there's what's his face with the big job. Right. I don't have a TV, so I can't play. Fair enough. It was in the movies and comic books. And Hellboy was born in Germany. And you know German and it toured there. <laughs> I know every single German in Germany. Yeah. That's right. I See? forgot that. It's not that big. Germany's not that big. It's not. Th- that actually reminds me of a legitimate question. I have. <laughs> oh. um, <laughs> well, let's, by, by all means, let's steer this into legitimacy. <laughs> yes. So, is your audience is there? Do you find, is it uh, mainly like German people or, or is it Americans abroad? Oh, no. It's mostly. German people. It's nice once in a while an American will come and be like, hey, yeah. we, can, we can relate. You know, like, I'm from <laughs> Football. <laughs> now I sound like, now I sound like, like a spy trying to convince someone yeah, right, right. that they're an American. <laughs> no, I like your President Ronald Reagan. <laughs> like, what? You're not I, real. I've heard that though about being overseas because I, I've yet to travel overseas, but that yeah, people, especially if you're there for like long periods of time and you yeah. run into your countrymen, then it's kind yeah, of fun. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Yeah, you definitely bond with whoever they are. Because um, <laughs> they're so, so much better than those <laughs> freaks American. over there. <laughs> But then really you don't have that language. You can talk about all the weird plugs they have over in <laughs> Europe and all the money with the funny colors. Yeah, yeah. Strange accents. That's right. No, they're mostly, the most of the people I met over there are from different countries. Or like the little festivals that I played, there'd be a couple people from Norway, some, some from Australia, some from Spain, you know, like people from all over would come yeah. to these little festivals too. There's another thing, Europe has a ton of little festivals to do. So it's another great reason to go over there. Cool, cool. Um, you I mean, you don't have the language barrier because you speak German. And yeah, that's it's German is the lingua franca of Europe. <laughs> is it? No. <laughs> I'm thinking I, if I was going to say that. French, not French, French, French is the lingua franca because that's what lingua franca means. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, think, I think if you speak any, I think if you speak any other language besides English, you're gonna it's gonna be better than just going out there and yelling at people really loud. Right. Well it's fun too because you get over there and it all comes back because you forget it. You take a language right. here and you totally forget it. So over there you start like dreaming in German again and be able to like think you're actually communicating really well and then yeah. like stupid <laughs> Let's just speak English to each other, all right? <laughs> Look, we all take English over here. Let's just speak yeah, English. Exactly. Most of them speak English anyway, so they're like, we yeah, don't yeah. really need to do this. Yeah. Just do it for me. Right. I've 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 heard I have I have never been to Europe. The closest I've ever been to Europe is Canada. <laughs> but uh, I've heard that there are places where they they do appreciate the effort yes. being made, <laughs> even if you aren't very good. They at do, it. yeah. But, but uh, so it's nice. and then you can and then you know when people are talking about you too. So that's kind of because yeah. you pretend you don't speak the language, right, and right, then, right, right. then you then you've got the insight. Right, right, right. So that's good. Uh, see, it's like being a spy. Exciting. Yeah. It yeah. Is, yeah. I had this uh, English teacher who was she. Her big study was Russian, mm-hmm. and she worked for the. It was really weird. She worked for the CIA at some point. Mm-hmm. She was over there. She had stories about like being scared and having to hide somewhere. You know, I think that's pretty much that's pretty much the common thread of being in Russia at any given time during like the <laughs> running and hiding. Cold War. Yeah, yeah. Just being scared and having to hide somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, now you, uh, how many tours now have you done? Um, I guess three or maybe four years over there, two to three times a year. So 
so I guess that's about that's it. pretty hardcore. It's been good, but like I said, I also do the opera shows, so sometimes I'll get a show over there with that, and then mm-hmm. I'll book a, a little tour around it mm-hmm. or something. So um, with, the, with the opera shows, I've done a lot more traveling than just that, but just with my music, it's been good. And I think so. Yeah. Now, do you feel like, I mean, how, how more often are you there than here? Is it most of the year? Oh, it's mostly here. Yeah, when I go over there, it's it, maximum is like six weeks. I don't I don't usually stay longer than that. Like I'll usually go between four and six weeks, and then come mm-hmm. back because I still have you know I've got a business here. Yes. I've got bills to pay. You know you can't. I, I don't have no overhead right, right, <laughs> to right, just right, be able right. to go live there half the year and come right. back. And I like having a home. I like you know it, it makes it more special when you go over there and you have your tour. Then you have then you come home to your place. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> But do you feel, I mean, I would just imagine when, if you're over there enough that at some point you don't feel like a, I, I, I would think I wouldn't feel like necessarily a, a citizen, I feel, I feel like a citizen of the world as opposed to like, you know, I live in America, I'm an American, I live in Los Angeles, California. I think you have to be a little more gypsy about it. Like, I think you wouldn't have to have much overhead here where you could go live over there. Like, if I was over there for six months, Mm -hmm. eight months at a time, I definitely would feel like that was... It would be more like your home. But when you're in a different city every day, in a different country every three days, Mm -hmm. you're you're never really setting down roots and getting to know the real local scene. I mean, you do a little bit because you're in these little venues and you're staying with local people and all that stuff. But when you live someplace for six months, I think you feel a little more... Like that's your home. Like yeah. I, like I said, I, I haven't totally gypsy gypsified myself to do that. So I think the, I think it, it's ingipulated. Yeah. Ingipulation. <laughs> I think that's the word we're looking for. No, I don't think that's the word. It's a new word. Yeah. Is is there ever a temptation to like not come back? I mean, just be, I, I I feel I personally feel that way anytime I go on vacation anywhere. So I can only imagine actually like yeah being like a, like. A, yeah, over there. A couple of them. Once once you pass the five week mark, then you're like, wow, you're like in a you know you're like in a different. You get mm-hmm. nauseous because the first couple of weeks you're still kind of missing home a little bit in your bed mm-hmm. and like all that stuff. Then after a while, when you get used to <laughs> certain situations, have to be okay though because sometimes you're stuck in like a student house where there's no real clean right. you know the shower is disgusting like yeah. all that stuff. So you are living like out of a bag kind of you can have some not so comfortable situations sometimes so that gets a little old but yeah. if you're in the parts where you're well taken care of or you've got friends to stay with for a little while then it becomes tempting to stay I with think them. if you're Johnny Depp and you can buy a home in the south of France right. with your like hot model girlfriend then. you're like oh I'm, I'm a Frenchman look at me I could stay here a lot it's like yeah of course you can because you're yeah. a bazillionaire you exactly. jackass but when you're staying at student house and you right. go to go to sleep and there's cat poop on your bed then right you're right, right. then you're living in your brother's house yeah. How you doing? My cats oh, use the box. They might not always. They might aim for the box and miss the box sometimes, but it at least lands by the box. Fair enough. And not that I have anything against cats. No, there. You're a dog. Just their feces. Cats, dogs, horses. Just their feces. Not real fond of the feces. Don't have any, don't have any problem with the animals themselves. Yeah, yeah. Just their horrible. Dogs, they don't put spore. Ever. Exactly. Right. 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 So. You, you know, you're doing these tours and shows and opera overseas mm-hmm. and, and coming back here. And, and you do keep busy also with lots of projects here, not only playing out, but mm-hmm. what are some of the other... Um, my 
This is right now is a raw vegan chocolate business, which I gave you guys to yeah. try. Sample. Um, Shall we, we check on the air? We, well, you know what? Let's try it. Why don't we try it and, and when we're setting up the music stuff? That's true. Oh, we can, we can enjoy it and not be like yes. chomping. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's fruit. Oh, there's, yeah, yeah, that's the bag. I am rattling the bag. So Ooh, looks good. That I became, I mean, I've been vegan for 10 years, but I became a raw foodist five years ago. And I'm this, I started this in response to that because I think it's a very healing diet and I think people eat way too many processed foods and preservatives and chemicals and stuff like that and we're getting sicker so I was trying to put something out there that was a little healthier mm -hmm. option for people to have and that's kind of what spawned this business yeah. um, and it's rawenergyandlife.com and then the uh, the chocolates uh, specific, specifically are called rock and raw chocolate mm -hmm. and they're in Whole Foods and the co-ops and natural food stores all over the California, Arizona, Nevada um, so that's been good because I feel the packaging is recycled and stuff is all organic. It's, you know, I'm trying to... So it's, is it, it's raw chocolate? It's a raw chocolate and it's vegan chocolate. So, so how do you do that? How do you cook a raw chocolate? I mean... We don't. You don't have that's to. That's what I'm saying. Is, the, what's the yeah, process? The, the um, normal chocolate, you have to temper it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to heat it. But this chocolate is ground at low temperatures. So you okay. get the beans, you grind them at low mm -hmm. temperatures so that the, the powder is raw. Okay. And then you coconut oil melts at like seventy five okay. degrees or something like that. So you stick it in your armpit. So you melt it <laughs> in your armpit, sit on it <laughs> for a couple hours. That melts down and all you do is mix it together with the powder and okay. the agave nectar and so gotcha, it's gotcha. just a mixing. A mixing and then once it's you put it in the refrigerator it gets um, more solid. All right. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 yeah. So you don't actually have to cook it. And raw is anything under 109, some people say up to 118 degrees. It's still considered raw if you heat it below those temperatures. You've, mm -hmm. got, you've still got the enzymes, the vitamins, and the minerals are there. So that's the point behind that. And for most chocolate, or most people love chocolate. Yeah, yeah, so sure. It's not hard to sell chocolate. <laughs> I, I've met my first person who's allergic to chocolate just the... Oh, yeah. so ago. I was totally surprised. I brought it. Did you me. offer them a revolver and a single bullet to take themselves out? <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's like onions. It's like being allergic to onions or garlic. That's like, I'm sorry. You just, I, I'm afraid you should, you should kill yourself. You should just kill yourself. If you can't eat onions or garlic. Because you can't enjoy life anymore. You cannot enjoy, yeah, exactly. You can't enjoy life anymore. You're done. You should just go. <laughs> Try again. <laughs> yeah. Now, what prompted, would you say that going vegan was a, Gradual process. I mean, because I mean, obviously, from raising cows on the farm in the villa to because you could just walk up and take a bite out of one of them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like that scene from the Killing Fields. Right, <laughs> he's running and yeah, taking a bite out of the cow as he runs by the cow. I know. That's what he did. No, I think it was like traumatic. I was I was a lot younger than my sisters were when we had them. My sisters like we'd have the baby calves, mm -hmm. so my sisters would like feed the calves with a bottle sure. and call them Mumu and then all of a sudden like Mumu was gone oh, and there was a Mumu. bunch of meat in the freezer and she didn't understand so I'm surprised she didn't turn vegetarian and I did yeah. I didn't remember all that right. yeah. but um so that and that being said I think if you're going to eat meat I think it's best to raise it yourself or go out and at least it. understand understand, understand where it process, came from yeah. like an organic free yeah. range farm or go hunt a deer or something like that like I think the more natural it is or just the take a bite out of the cow as you run by in the field <laughs> yeah that's very natural yeah. <laughs> and it's raw too it is yeah, it's, it's raw very alive years ago years ago I was reading about um, the Ethiopian insurgency 
uh, against the Italians in the 30s. And uh, that's what they used to do. They used to drive the cattle along with the soldiers and they would cut slits in the cow's flanks and, and drain the blood and, and drink that. And on the hoof, they'd have like their, that would be do that for however long they're on the march. Until the cow just passed out and... Well, I don't think they would, I don't think they, it's not like they would bleed the cow out as they were going, but I think they kept the cow alive as they long as they could. They put a band-aid on it. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> they probably did staunch the wound. Did they sing the band-aid wow. song when they did? They probably did. In Ethiopian, in Amharic. I'm stuck on band-aids and band-aids stuck on me. The cows sang that song. <laughs> okay. Because so they were anthropomorphic cows. Right. As they all are. That, no, that's something. That's a word that I probably will mess up trying to pronounce because that's a tradition on the show. Anthropomorphic. Yes. So I'd say manlike if you're dumb. Okay. So <laughs> I, I have heard an argument against veganism that, and I've been vegan for five years, uh, almost six years. Uh, oh, you're anthropomorphizing. Did I say it right? Yeah. Yeah. You did pretty good. The animals, you know, by by implying that they deserve to not suffer and deserve not to be you're assuming you're assuming a human level of feeling in, in in other creatures which you can't necessarily assume i think is the crux of that argument right and which i don't i don't agree with sure you I, can I, not agree with it but i'm just saying right, that's the right. crux of the argument right yeah i don't agree, agree with that either because they do sense fear and they sense death sure. and they're afraid they do not want to be hurt sure they do not want to die yeah, yeah. so apparently there's an instinct in them to live and um not to be injured. Cut or yeah. yeah. Well, that that's got to be a pretty deep seated evolutionary response. I, I just feel like it, it's not necessarily that we're mistaking those of us who would advocate for veganism. It's not that we're mistaking animals for humans. It's that I think people are mistaking humans for not being animals, which we also are. Yeah. I, well, I think it works. Yeah. I think it works both ways. That's that's the thing. Is is. It's all well and good to let your empathy change how you eat, but that's not the way the world works. And that's, I mean, as the only meat eater here at the table, I've, you know, I didn't grow up on a farm, but I grew up around farms and, and friends of mine had a family farm that I was at every weekend and watched them slaughter chickens and goats and things like that. You know, so I knew where my food comes from. I know where my food comes from and, um, you know, it's I, I'm willing to make that choice, but I think that's the thing: is it's <clears throat> it's most people don't have the the, the quote unquote moral choice to make. Mm -hmm. You know, protein is protein. I was, I was actually on Twitter with with someone I know, um, and she wrote a song that prominently features talking about hunting moose and stuff in Alaska. And it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a, it's Marian at Marian Call. She's really funny and talented, but um, you know. She's talking about hunting moose in Alaska, and a lot of people, that's how they get their meat for the winter, you know, and they go out and they hunt, and they clean and gut the animal and dress the, you know, carcass, and then they eat for the winter, and a lot of places, that's their option, <clears throat> you know, they get to do that, or they die, and, you know, it's like the Native American word for winter is starvation, if you don't have those options, you just die, and four billion people on this planet just don't have that option you know you eat what you can eat and you know with very few exceptions the moral component doesn't even come into play and to me that's the thing you can have whatever worldview you want and you can choose your lifestyle accordingly because we live in a place where you can choose your lifestyle accordingly mm -hmm. um you know but i think it's the whole 
you can have empathy for animals and that's fine. It's just when the zombie hordes come, <laughs> you know, and the choice is eat your cat or die, you might seriously consider eating your cat. And as Gene says, as I'm seeing over his shoulder, the cat squinting at us. Because <laughs> like, the cat saying, you're not going to eat me. Because the, the cat would do the same <laughs> to you. So but, your arrival to veganism, was it ethical? Was it nutritional? Was it both? Um, I... I think uh, it came from, I actually read a book called Diet for New America by John Robbins, and it kind of, it tied in not just your health, you know, that it could uh, improve your health, and, and specifically speaking, like we're talking about, if you are going to meet, eat yeah. meat, make sure it's pesticide-free, right. free-range, organic, they're eating what they're grass-fed, yeah. because if you don't really, if you're not doing it from an empathetic point of view for the animals, do it for your own health. If you want to be healthier, yeah. eat cleaner. Eat well, well, I think I think there's there's a couple sides to the argument, and they all get muddled up because people focus on you know the crazy stuff. Because I I think there's there's crazy arguments on both sides, but I think the fact of the matter is we live in we live in a country that economy of scale is everything, and like battery chicken farms and things like that, where it's just like when you're going to produce meat as a commodity, eventually you get to this place where you know, it's an industry and it's not raising animals, it's raising units of meat. And that can be a problem because like you say, it's, you know, you don't know what goes into something when it's in a factory. And it's one thing if someone's, you know, assembling door panels on a car, but it's another thing if you're going to take it into your body. Mm -hmm. So I think that is definitely, you know, but we have cheap food in this country and that goes from, that's not even necessarily the meat part. That's Mm -hmm. everything we eat in this country. You know, the corn and the wheat is subsidized. As in it's, it's, it's basically farms are no longer farms, they're factories, they're mm-hmm. food factories. Right. You know, so. But, and, and if also, like I was going to say, the, the vegan vegetarian choice at first was for, you know, my own health, the health of, and compassion for animals, but also it can help with world hunger because it takes, I forget, like one eighth of the amount of, you can feed one pound of. What, eight pounds of grain to get one pound of flesh. So right. if you just did the grain straight to people, you would solve a lot of the world hunger. So I think there's a way to actually feed more people if everyone was vegetarian, plus the greenhouse gases that come from cows and things like that. So anyway, for, for my choice, I saw a health factor in it. I saw a compassion factor in it. I saw an environmental factor in it. And I saw a helping world hunger factor in it. Yeah. So those all together... And I had a I I've been a healthy vegan for over a decade. So if I can live healthy and maybe make a little difference in my choices, mm-hmm. then it was the right decision for me. Absolutely. Yeah. And like I said, I I don't try to um, get on the uh, I don't try to preach about it at all. But if you know, I just try to live the way that I think I it is okay, the way that I feel best living. Sure. And then if people have questions for me, then I will talk about it. But I don't. Don't openly try to um, persuade other. You know what I'm saying. The like proselytizing I, I, aspect of it. Yeah, yeah I allow sure. people to have their own paths and do yeah. their own things. I would just encourage people, like I said, to eat um, clean. Yeah. Well, I just think that you need to know what you're putting in your body, no matter what you eat. It's 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 so much. I mean, I, I convenience is so you know important in this country, and you know, I just like my mom still just eats you know can garbage tv dinners you know and it's like candy was a, her big thing too right my mom eats candy yeah she doesn't eat a lot of candy 
There was, I just remember a story or something that we were talking about about that. Um, well, she, I mean, she, I, heck, I hate candy, but, but it's, it's, um, I mean, she eats like, you know, TV dinners and stuff, which right, is right, right. just like the worst of the worst, you know, and it's just, there's not a lot good in there. And it's just like, you know, mainlining salt and fat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I definitely, I'm oh, sorry. No, no, as, 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 as you, how you arrived at for me, I mean, it was an, an intersection of those things. Those things all developed on their own slowly. Like, for me, initially, it was just the nutrition aspect. It was like, oh, I feel better not eating this. and it, But it became, for me, really, um, became more ethical and political and environmental down the line. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that was, I went vegetarian first. Mm-hmm. And that was in, yeah, like the end of 2004. Mm-hmm. And then in... October 2005, Megan and I had started dating, and she said, let's try going vegan for a week. I'm like, all right. And we, we've stuck with it since then. That's great. Yeah. I cheated once, like, a month later on, on a white chocolate Kit Kat. That was the last, <laughs> last, last knowingly non-vegan thing I had. <laughs> and then, you know, stuff accidentally, you know. Can you know, get white chocolate, Robbie? You've eaten bugs, yeah. dude. You've oh, eaten yeah. bugs. <laughs> Probably. Oh, I'm sure. And yeah. salad. No, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah, yeah. we all have. Well, extra protein. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> free range. Free range, cruelty free range. All natural. All natural. Exactly. So then when did uh, going wrong kick in for you? It was five years after you'd gone vegan. Mm-hmm. About five years after. And um, I had eaten dinner at Giuliano's, I think, at Broccoli's restaurant in Santa Monica probably eight years ago. And I was like, it's kind of weird. I'm not very full. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what this is. Like, not really interested in it. And then um, I met a raw foodist about five years ago on um, set. I was working on the job. And she had clear skin. She was beautiful, you know, energetic. Like, she seemed very happy and healthy and I was like oh my god what's your secret <laughs> it's like I'm a raw foodist I was like wow tell me everything you know and uh, from that I I did a, a two-week fast um, and read all that I could get my hands on about it so that I could launch into frankly if I was reading things during a two-week fast I would retain none of it <laughs> no but just the opposite it becomes like it sinks into your brain so strong anytime I fast it. so it's like Stockholm Syndrome <laughs> it's totally. like I have to read this because there's nothing else yeah. there's, there's no food in your body or anything like that you're, you're, you're so focused you're just like yeah Super, super. <laughs> I don't do that very often. It's really hard for me to do that, but anyway, that's how I can, I can imagine. It's horrible. It's very, very <laughs> challenging. Fantastic. It, it actually right. after the first three days, first two days, you're like, right. Ugh, yeah. My hand. Um, then it gets better. That but explains yeah. the hook that you have. <laughs> the metal hook on your hand. Oh, whoops. They can't. They can't. She doesn't. For the folks at home, she doesn't without have a metal. Premium video. Doesn't have a metal. Without the premium video. She doesn't have a metal hook hand. <laughs> so you've combined these things. You know, you have your music, you have the the business. Um, how else do you survive in Los Angeles? That's a big theme on the show. Is that how do you survive being a creative type? Survive in LA. It's tough. Yeah, and over the years, I've had to different. If I had to waitress or whatever, you know, pull dance. No, I'm just kidding about that. I never pull dance um, for my pay. Um, but uh, I'm pretty sure they listen to the show. <laughs> we're, sure. we're a huge They're hit in Montana. Fans. We're a huge hit. <laughs> Rushing them up. Um, so uh, what else? Um, I do some commercial work in music videos and stuff like that. And um, so sometimes I can sing off in a commercial and you know do stuff like that. 
So some commercial work, my vegan business, music, opera. Um, right now, that's oh, I teach yoga too. Teach that's right. We wanted to talk about that because you, you, you are available for consulting, not only on how to go raw, mm-hmm. but also yeah, teach yoga and Pilates. Right now, I just have a um, I teach at the YMCA, but I can also do private lessons. Um, but uh, that's another thing, and that kind of came. I didn't think I was going to make a bunch of money from it, but I love yoga and I like the spirituality tied to it and all that. So I. I wanted to get that certification and, and just learn as much as I could about that. Um, so that's another thing that, um, like I said, it's just I just do stuff that I like, and that's why I try to just do stuff that I like and sure, sure. try to make some no, money. I, I, that's, that's, that's really good advice, though. That's, that's the classic do and, what you love and the money comes to you. And so. right, we're more rare than... I mean, after you've been at it for a while, although like I don't, I don't know the gene you and I necessarily love what we do for money. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, well, no. Uh, let, we, let me, let we don't me. talk about it often on the show. Well, this we love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we I, don't I do this for money. money. I have, <laughs> oh, this, this is a, <laughs> no. This is <laughs> no. <laughs> um, uh, I can, I can rationalize what I do um, as as being helpful to people, um, uh, and it is rewarding in in, in some ways. I, I do not love what I do, and I—I I mean, I think I liked—I think I liked what I like what I do. Um, it can be the last few months have been horrible and painful, but um, in general, it's usually not that bad. Uh, it goes through fits and starts, but I—I I, I like what I do. I'm okay with what I do. You know, I've—I don't think I've ever done something I love, or if I did, the honeymoon was over really quick. Because when I was an archaeologist, I, I loved doing that the first, like, six months I did it. And then I kept doing it for years after that. And thumbs down. Mm. You know, it just became, it became a grind. It, it was really bad. Mm. Um, and Jean, for those who uh, have not heard the episode where you've said this, and, and for Aaron here, uh, your, your analogy for what archaeology is. Oh, archaeology is, um, it's just like Raiders of the Lost Ark, except replace Nazis with rednecks and Lost Ark of the Covenant with uh, dead people's garbage. So I used to fight rednecks for the right to dig up dead people's garbage. Oh. See, that's the, whole politi- that's the whole side of it no one knows, though. Until you're in there, like, you wouldn't know that. Well, you know, the, and, and I know I've talked about this in the, in, on the show before, but the, the nutshell is it's a business. What I did was contract archaeology, which is a business. It's not the academic side, which has its own problem. Yeah. Um, and when you're doing it for money, it just kind of, you know, it's no fun. You've got yeah. somebody cracking the whip on you to get stuff done quicker, and you can't do academically the amount of you can't put an amount of effort into it. So, and there's always somebody younger willing to take your job for less money. Nice. There's a fresh crop of undergrads and students who are like eight dollars an hour. I'll work for that, and it's like same thing happens in reality television. <laughs> well, yeah, TV in general. I mean, any place. Any place that's yeah. kind of a glamorous, you know, I want to be an archaeologist when I grow up. I right. want to work for TV when I grow up. And it's yeah. just like, same thing. There's always a fresh crop of folks coming who mm-hmm. are just, you know. There and again, if you can find a way to work for yourself and create a project on your own, whether it's getting funding or whatever like that, that I I think, I encourage, I don't know if it's possible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and uh, some, some, you know, a buddy, good buddy of mine has his own firm. I mean, that's the thing is if you have a master's degree and you get accredited, by the state state historic preservation officer, aka the SHPO, 
you can put bids out for jobs, but still you end up um, still you end up working for somebody, working mm -hmm. for an oil company, a gas pipeline company, you right. know, a power company who has to get this project done. It's like we're going to build a pipeline and it's going to go through here, so you guys need to clear this for us. So contract archaeology is just. It, it ends up being kind of a, a soulless dead end, and it kind of kills me. Kill, it killed my joy for mm. <clears throat> what I liked about archaeology. So in a way, you could have it like as a hobby for fun. You could do it as a hobby, and that's yeah. the thing is, is, is you could go, I mean, that, if you're doing it as a hobby, you could sign on to digs anywhere and just go yeah. South America, go to the Near East, Talk or wherever. Screw off if you're trying to crack your work on them. <laughs> generally. Yeah, generally. And academics totally different, but, but, yeah. um, but there's even fewer positions in academia than there is in contract work. Yeah. So, and it's seasonal too. Contract archaeology is seasonal. So when the snow starts to fly, unless you have a lab job, you're generally out of work. Yeah. So, but that's, I mean, I love doing comedy and I love writing. And it's just, I don't have a lot of time for it. Right. But I'd love to, to be work. able to make money at it. Yeah. I, work. Right. I have a daughter in the house. So. Uh, see, when that's, <clears> the, that's <throat> the age old balance, I think, for the artist too, it's like, okay, how do I, how do I have a normal life? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe have some kids, maybe have a family, you know. Yeah spouse stuff like that a house but also do my art you know because i don't want to be a gypsy i mean i think it'd be fun but i i really like to have a home and some more of a stable yeah. home life yeah. um and not be totally broke and, and couch surfing forever so you know yeah it's, it, it is hard to yeah, try yeah. and balance that out but not impossible like, no i don't think it is no i don't think it but see i think i think there's a couple of things working against modern you know Americans and finding their their niche, I guess. And one is we have expect we have we have higher expectations than most everybody. We want more. Yeah, we and we want and we want yeah. instant gratification. I think mm -hmm. previous generations knew that you had to grind through some stuff before you managed to get what you you know where you need to be. And mm -hmm. the frustration comes a lot in a lot of cases from that difference in expectation versus reality. Mm -hmm. You know. It's like a lot of the comedians that I really like are, you know, they're they're just now finding some success and they've been working at it for 10, 15, 20 yeah. years. Well, that's that you do have to be patient with it and yeah. not look at other people's successes around right, you or right, compare right. yourself or anything like that. And right. if you love it, you'll go forward anyway. Yeah. You know, without, you know, giving yourself a time limit. Because I think the people that come here and say, okay, I've got five years to get famous. And if I don't, then I'm going to leave and do something totally different right. and like well do you really love it you know is it part of you like right, is right. that or are you just going for the fame you know I think if you really love it you can do it your whole life and still it will bring you joy and hopefully also some monetary success or recognition or something as right. well at some point yeah. but it is something I think you just have to commit to and do it for the, for the joy of it right right right, right, right. finding something that gives you that gives you pleasure and and, and then it, you know everything else falls into play mm -hmm. um but yeah, the, the amount of effort required is is also, um, I think, being you know older now, I just kind of realize how much, you know, effort it is required. You know, how much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. It's all a meat I eat. It, it's aged me prematurely. Uh, no, no, I'm I'm forty one. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's, but it, but it's you know it's. It's a tough road to hoe to get what you want, you know. First, to understand what you want, mm -hmm. you know. And I think at 20, I had no idea what I wanted. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I would if, if the people that are driven and know what they want at twenty, frankly, they're creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that, that. Well, and it depends on what you want to do. You want a well-rounded life? Do you want some other stuff, or do yeah. you just want to be a famous comedian? You know, if that's all you want and care about in life, yeah, maybe it's, it's easy to sacrifice the rest. I, of I, I think I think it can be. I think it can be. I mean, you you you. Um, I think it can be easy as much as anything. Doing that is easy. No, no, no. I don't. I don't necessarily want fame. Um, I just want money. <laughs> I just want a shit ton of money. <laughs> Retire in the forest next to the stream. Mm-hmm. At this point, Dude, I don't even build a big house out of money. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't need the fame as much as I want to uh-huh. just live comfortably, but do what I like. You know, I, yeah, yeah. the freedom. That's yeah, for me. That's the, really that's the main thing of making money is so that I have the freedom to not have to do something I don't want to do. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not the fame. It's not becoming like gazillionaire. Like I really don't need that much. I want to live simply. But have the freedom to do what I want to do. Yeah, and that's the most important thing. Other people choose differently. Well, that's been the biggest revelation for me with the the comedy stuff in general, and just taking classes with like minded people and getting on stage with like minded people and and hanging out at shows and and doing shows and stuff like that. Is there such a um, cross pollination of all these really really funny smart people doing all these different things and that alone is worth you know the price of admission i guess it's it's like um you know i want to i want to i want to get some of that you know i want to be involved in stuff like that mm-hmm. and 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 that makes the the grind of the day job a little bit easier to deal with mm-hmm. but i'm getting to the point now where my day job is just a real it's been a real grind and and i'm just like i would love to torpedo this and walk away i want to set this on fire <laughs> run it up on the beach and walk away and watch it burn to the water line <laughs> you know <laughs> you know and be, just be done with it start surfing the web yeah for some more stuff yeah but uh are they listening <laughs> no no I, I, I i'm very careful to not talk about my job generally but yeah. but yeah you know uh but it seems that there's just so much like a good the, the 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 what's the word i'm looking for um Energy is not the right word, but 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 all of the activity, I guess. You know, I just watch all my friends, and they're you know they're doing all this really cool stuff, and you know this thing that Brody and I do has been a real joy. You know, that sort of stuff is just always extra good. You know, and watching people, and the success is great. You know, it's like I know people who are doing really really you know interesting stuff and they're they're fairly successful at it or at least comfortable and it's like right on but you know so so it's doable to be you know to make a decent living at it but mm-hmm. um yeah it's inspiring to hang out with those people and, and realize yeah. that it's out there yeah and that yeah 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 getting cool. over the hump of realizing what you can do mm-hmm. yeah what, what was the biggest obstacle for you or just the biggest lesson that helped you overcome what you needed to overcome to say okay wow I can do this and, and run this and pursue this project and, and have this freedom um you know I don't I don't know it's just been a journey you know you just go forward and you try jobs that you hate and you quit you know or at least you know like I, I was always doing a little music and I've always kind of um, had the naivete maybe to follow my heart and to <laughs> do 
those things yeah. that I really love. You're free. I'm <laughs> so I did that, but I would supplement it with like a waitressing job, or you know, I worked for these music managers for like three months one time, which was I couldn't handle it more than three months. You know, like in a real business as their secretary or something. Like it right. just wasn't. I couldn't do that. So I tried these all these other avenues of, of day jobs or whatever temporarily, but mostly. Um, it was just going forward with the music and whatever commercial work I could do, but I always had to be wages or something. The raw vegan one, honestly, it just came from following my heart that way because I was so passionate about raw foods when I first turned raw that I either wanted to be a holistic nutritionist or do a business and just knowing my personality, I think the business was better for me. I didn't expect it to go anywhere really. I had no idea. I started out with one product in one store and I thought, it's fun, maybe a little extra money, part-time so I can focus on my music, but then, you know, it started going better, and I started needing the money, <laughs> you know, I'm still able to do my music, you know, maybe not as much as I like, this past few months it's been very busy without business, but it came from a no expectations, try something that I love and I'm yeah. passionate about and see where it goes, and knock on wood, it's gone well, Yeah. so, but I'm also not a I try not to be disappointed if it doesn't go well at some point and I have to change directions again or try something new, which I think is a luxury we should allow ourselves sometimes. And I think people feel like they have to do the same job for the next 30 or 40 years. And, and I, you're lucky if you're in a job that you love for that long, I think. But if not... I think you're lucky if you're in... If you, <laughs> what's, the, what's the line from uh, Office space would be nice to have that sort of job security. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, you know. I have a job right now at all. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just, yeah, which I talked about a lot. I just landed a regular gig for a while here, which is my first regular gig in a year or so. Wow. I mean, and he's been, been a bum, like a total bum. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's just been a hard job. It's been job. horrible to find. Yeah, he's, it's really hard. Brody was like looking for work so hard. They were like, we'd like have go through these montages where he would like, be him walking and there'd be signs like neon signs passing by <laughs> you know and, and like he'd walk up the doors and like people would have the help wanted sign and they'd turn and it over in his face it, and, you know um, and then he would like go to buy like an apple from the apple vendor and he'd like pull his pockets out like a moth would fly out of his pocket <laughs> that was really bad yeah. it was really bad for a while I you know look down and kick the dirt oh. yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't know who I just hit there but I apologize that wasn't me damn it <laughs> um, yeah and, but if, and for me a regular gig is like it's gonna be like six months. That's to me is uh, forever. That's awesome. You know? Forever, it really is six months. Yeah, yeah. In TV, uh, that is forever. I get to be employed for six months. Six whole months. Awesome. Yeah. So, well, what have you done to for money? Like all these years, you've done the music. Yeah, I, I've history. I wrote. Well, the music I've never really made much money on. Maybe I've had a really good show and I got paid well, you know. Right. But um, and sold some CDs here and there. Um, I was really happy, like recently, to like write and sell a couple articles to a magazine. That's good. That was fun. Um, I mean, I, I want to write scripted television, but it, it, you know, even doing an, like a, like the investigative kind of journalism thing that I did, it was fun. Cool. Um, but I mean, I've worked as a, I did work for a firm where I call. I think I might have told you about this before, Aaron, where I uh, had to pose as like a customer. And then somebody else would call another customer, and like I was white and they were black, or I was straight and they were gay, and we would report how they um, 
Do they hire a black person to call as the black person? Or do yeah. They just, do, they, do they have... Somebody do like a horrible stereotype? Do like a horrible... Because if they were like... If I, if I had to do that, I would do like the worst like step and fetch it. Like, yeah, yeah. like Amos and Andy. No. Kingfish. I could possibly do... No. These were like legitimate people of color with like... But you know, you pick these aliases and you have to pick right. aliases that are stereotypically... You know, <laughs> I'm Josiah Crackerton. Colin... <laughs> Wait, was that the white person? That was the white person. That was the white person. Josiah yeah, Crackerton. Josiah Crackerton. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You couldn't tell. Well, there's that Freakonomics um, yeah. thing from, oh, yeah, the, yeah. from the book where they talk about names. Yeah. Having, Naming know, your child, yeah. like, uh, Lequisha yeah, is, yeah. is generally ebonic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and affects, their, affects their chances of getting jobs and the resume. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. It's true. That's absolutely true. So, yeah, we totally didn't suffer. People are prejudiced. Wow. This is a fact. Yep, and and I made money investigating it. Yep. So, that is how did that turn out? That sounds pretty. That sounds pretty cool. It was a fun job, but I mean, we I did like two stints with the company, and I haven't. No, did they hire gay people to do the gay boys, or did they just like no. say that was more be a little queer? <laughs> exactly. That was a little more subtle, where it's like you know, I would be like, me and my wife are looking for blah right. blah blah, whereas me and my same sex life partner. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> so. I would if somebody called me if somebody called me and said that I would be so like why are you what does it matter to me why, are you why are you, yeah. well good <laughs> for you I'm 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 glad you found someone are you just bragging what is he like what are you like like fifty and he's like like a twenty five year old like swimsuit model or something no. <laughs> why are you telling me yeah because I just generally don't care about this stuff. One other job that I did for a while was I filed movie ads for the accounting company for the film company. So anytime they ran an ad for, you know, Big Mama's House 2 or whatever, like I would pull that ad for from the... Speaking of things that are keeping the brother man down. Well, <laughs> like what's the paper in Missoula, the newspaper there? Missoulian. The Missoulian. So there'd be a file for the Missoulian. It's like, okay, we had... No, Big Bomb's House 2 and... Heard it did really good business in Missoula. Screen 3 and English page, Whatever, like, films that, you know, the company put out. English page. I ain't watching one of them foreign films. <laughs> but at least it has English in the title. So the they, So they speak American. We fought a war against them. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And that's, that's all I did was pull the ads from yeah. the big stack of newspapers. It sounds like you've had interesting jobs. Do you feel like you're like an artistic job as well? Yeah, well, yeah, most of it's been in television, and, and I don't know, you know, the writing was good, yeah, for the newspaper. Yeah. With, with reality TV, I, I'd say there are opportunities to be artistic within reality television as far as, like, if you're involved in editing or even if you're, like, somebody who does music and yeah. licenses music to, you know, Jim Vitale is on the show. He's had some music on some documentary and reality kind of shows. <laughs> um but well, generally, too, LA is a very good place for artistic odd jobs because yeah. you go to Montana. You know, I left there, and they're like, "You want to be a dancer, singer?" They're like, "No, yeah, <laughs> silly girl." That's gonna be what your, they don't. That's they gonna don't, be your hobby. They don't have like <laughs> saloons and music halls with a rinky tink piano. Ding 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 ding. I know they do. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, "That's gonna be your hobby, and yeah. you're gonna get a real job, and you're gonna get married." Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Babies and not gonna be your life, and I was like, Really? <laughs> I don't think so. It's not all. Right? Yeah, it's one it's thing like when you have your options laid out for you, and they're yeah. very, very narrow. It's kind of fun when someone does that though and tells you what you're gonna do because then uh-huh. you kind of go, 
That's not. That's awful. <laughs> yeah. Thank Absolutely. you for lining that out for me. Thanks for letting me prove you wrong. There's definitely an anti-authoritarian streak that's in all, I think, creative people. No, there isn't. <laughs> Hi, I'm Troy Conrad. You're listening to the Shaky Town Radio Hour. Yeah. This is Summertime, um, and it's from the Summertime Songs. <laughs> You can't see it on the on the non-existent. Unless you have the super premium, the super secret premium video. <laughs> Is that a special membership? <laughs> I think that's really if you have a video camera and you happen to be filming us through Brody's window. <laughs> that's so, <laughs> yeah, which I'm sure is happening right now somewhere. It, yeah, yeah, probably. That very small window right there. <laughs> um, so this one I released in January, and um, it's part of the double release Winter Warmers and Summertime Songs. <clears throat> Oh, it's summertime I can feel the breath of winter fading away
It's an international collaboration. It's an international. It's internet based. It's internet based. It's all. It's all tweet based. <laughs> it's all. It's, it's. It was actually. It was, it's funny because it's actually made up of, of lots of little sounds from the computer. That's. It wasn't. There was no guitar or singing. It was all just her manipulating a computer. For those of you who are not able to see this. <laughs> He's I'm lying. lying. He's lying. I'm so lying. It was really good. No, that was, that was awesome. You can find us on the internet at shakytownradio.com. You can Twitter us at at shakytownradio. You can like us on Facebook at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash shakytownradio. Send us an email at shakytownradio at gmail.com or call us on the Shakytown Radio hotline at 626-66-SHAKE. That's 667-4253. That's the same number. Our guest has been Aaron Williams. Aaron, thank you for... Coming on the show today? Hell yeah! For me. <laughs> I'm all in from the top. Yeah. So so we're gonna we're gonna enjoy uh, another song here. But until next uh, show, I'm Brody Foster Hubbard. I'm Gene George. Don't point that mic at me. <laughs> and you are? Oh, sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a regularly occurring part of the show, but my name's Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mm. I think it is. Think I'm going to say it is art. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> okay, this is uh, a song called I'll Do You Baby, one from the Winter Warmers. This one's called Winter Trees. 